The following was originally broadcast on Northumberland 89.7 FM. For more podcasts and learn more about us, go to northumberland897.ca. And thank you for downloading this podcast. Today we're going to focus on Palisade Gardens, and I have on the phone with me Mickey McLean. Hello, Mickey. Hi, Mark. Let's talk about Palisade Gardens, talk about what it is you guys offer there and what it is that people can expect from Palisade Gardens. We've been here uh, approximately 13 years now. Palisade Gardens was built on the old Coburg Hospital site. Three years ago, we added our second phase, which is James Club. So now we encompass the whole block of Darcy and James and Chapel Street. We offer um, a variety of services here for retirement living for seniors. So we have uh, nursing staff 24 hours a day, MedPass administration. We've recently added a dementia wing, our Harmony Memory Care Wing, which is a secured unit for people with dementia-related issues. And we also have James Club, which is a little more independent living. In both buildings, there are an array of condos, which people purchase and buy, and also rental units. So it kind of gives seniors a great variety of options. Some want to buy, some prefer to rent, some want services, some don't. Uh, We've just about got pretty much anything anybody needs. Prior to 2020, people would move in, you guys would have social events there, you would have uh, outings into the community with a bus that takes people shopping and things like that? You're absolutely right, all of the above. Boy, when I look back, Mark, the, uh, you know, retirement living quickly became everything that uh, no one wanted to be, including myself. It was a tough uh, 16 months to go through. In the initial stages, you know, we were asked to keep residents in their condos and their apartments, which was very difficult. And I think there was a, you know, as I look back again, a fear in the air that no one really knew what we were up against and what was going to happen. So we locked down pretty quickly here at Palisades, and I'm glad we did now when I, when I look back. People were asked to stay in their rooms, which is difficult when you've got some people that have various degree of memory loss and dementia and used to coming in and out, and now you're retraining them all again that they can't come out. It was also very tough on staff. We had several staff left because they were scared and they weren't sure what they were up against and what was going to happen and whether they were going to get it and take it home to their families. So being short of staff right at the time when that's exactly what I needed was more staff and I couldn't get them. We do have agency staff that would come in from CCAC, you know, St. Elizabeth's, etc., that families arranged to have come in to provide care for their families, and they were told that they could no longer do that because they went from different retirement homes or homes in the community even, providing care to people throughout the town. But that, they found, was what was in fact one of the, uh, the problems of spreading the, the virus. So that had to stop, which again put more pressure on our own staff here, and they were providing all of that outside care that was generally provided to residents. Now they had to do it. We had things uh, increase, like room service. You know, I had 170 residents approximately here, and everyone was being served in their rooms. So it increased the dietary staff, grocery parcels being delivered regularly, and food. So. It couldn't just sit around in the lobby. We had to have extra staff to do all that delivery. 
We had uh, new rules for screening, of course, of anyone coming in the door. So we had to hire people to man the doors to make sure that everyone was being screened properly and asked the proper questions at that time. Uh, temperature checks twice a day for every resident in the building. And it takes about an hour and a half to two hours just to do it once. And that had to be done every day for 10 months. We've done that, which is really time consuming. You alluded to uh, the loss of staff. I'm assuming it was tough to keep morale up at times. And it must have been tough on the residents as well, because suddenly they weren't able to have family visit. They weren't able to go out into the community like they were before. What was it like trying to juggle not only running the business, but to try to keep everyone's spirits up and engaged at the same time? Well, that's that was the biggest challenge, I think. I found myself, I've often said, uh, became a warden. Um, you know, making sure people were trying to stay in their rooms and everyone to wear their masks and everything I didn't want to be in, in a retirement home. But uh, it had to be done. And activities, we weren't allowed to have people come down and be in group activities. And that's what people signed up for retirement home living for, was so they could enjoy meals together and activities together. And all of that had to come to a halt. So it took some ingenuity and some thinking of uh, going room to room, and we set up um, a Tim Hortons cart, so we would go door to door dressed in Tim Hortons, and we had the cart all decorated and deliver things room to room, delivered trivia to each room, we had music in the halls, we had, thank goodness where where we're situated here, we have kind of a big U-shaped building, so we were able to get singers in the springtime, in the half-decent weather, the fall, that would come into the courtyards and they'd go around the whole perimeter of the building, kind of a traveling roadshow singing and exercise, and that kind of helped lift some people's spirits. We did the best we could with the opportunities that we had at that time. When I look back, I think we've done relatively well. Thank goodness no one uh, contracted COVID as of yet, and for that I'm very, very thankful and proud. One thing I learned through this whole process, Mark, is the resilience of our seniors today. We've talked about it so many times with many of them. They've lived through the Depression. Some of them that we have here actually lived through the Spanish flu. So they've had some real struggles in their life, and I found that they were able to really bounce back from this better than some of the younger people. So for that, I I really learned a lot. Seeing them again, just enjoying the simple pleasures, having a glass of wine together at happy hour and uh, a few jokes. I guess the biggest thing we had going for us was pure luck. Well, I think a lot of hard work, too. I think it's a real tip of the hat to you and your staff and the residents, too, that you were able to go through that whole time period without any cases. You know, I think some of my darkest days were probably um, in December, November, December, when already we were, you know, just starting to hit our third wave, but already we were, you know, so many senior homes had been hit and so many deaths with residents. And when you know another wave is coming and you just pray to God that you've got all of the things in place that, you know, the proper inspections done and the disinfecting of everything. Every day the rules and the regulations change. That alone was challenging because not only did we have to implement those rules, but all families had to be brought up to date on a regular basis, sometimes daily. 
And when you're dealing with 170 residents potentially here and there, and all of their families and keeping everyone up to date on what they can and can't do and how we were providing for their loved ones was very difficult. And uh, it was those were very stressful days when I look back. It's uh, many sleepless nights and many tears, that's for sure, for me. Speaking about some of the changes that were happening on a frequent and almost daily basis at times, are there some things that have been implemented as a result of the pandemic that you can see going forward would be worthwhile keeping? You know, we had a regular inspection that I arranged with the IPAC specialist from public health in the hospital. They came in on a regular basis, about once every four to six months, and would do an inspection with us. What do we need to do? Do we need to increase more hand sanitizers, more cleaning, you know, regular cleaning? How many cleaners should we have? What kind of traffic areas should we be targeting more often? And uh, that was a service that was great. that was offered to us, for, you know, free, of course, from the hospital. She gave us great advice from time to time on, on things that we could do better and things that we were doing well. And, you know, I appreciate that. I, I wanted to sleep at night knowing that I felt I had done the very best that I could throughout all of this and that I tried not to overlook anything. So, again, a lot of it's, you know, good luck, but... Uh, I think the IPAC and the cleaning is, is the one thing that I think will stay with us for quite some time. And probably distancing. I, I really think that for many months now, we'll probably still see that people will be asked to stay, you know, a certain distance from others. Are there any stories, any gems, any kind of things that happened as a result of the pandemic with some of the residents or the staff that you can recall that you think is is worth bringing forward? The families, you know, were exceptional to help us through this with everyone. I remember sending um, an email notification out to families near the beginning and said, you know, please help us help your loved ones understand why this is happening that it's not just them, that it's not just our building. So I guess families in general were a big part of this and very supportive of trying to keep their loved ones going on a day-to-day basis and communication with them. And I think seeing that kind of connection between the children and their loved ones improved considerably. I know they couldn't physically get together, But they were here for them for dropping off things, dropping off parcels, ordering, you know, any food and stuff to be delivered here. All of that really, uh, it was, I can't say enough about our families here in in this area, Northumberland area. They're good people and everyone comes together in a tough time. Staff uh, supporting each other. Teams were switching um, departments just to help other staff members out. It really gives you a sense that when things get tough people don't always just disappear but there's people who really are good to the core that will group together and make sure that they're here to support us as a whole and as a team and i'm blessed with the staff that i do have and their resilience if somebody was thinking about moving into a facility like yours are they able to go through a tour at this point in time they are at this point in time. Um, we're so thankful that we've come this far. Uh, it's been a pretty tough year, but now uh, we are allowed to tour. People do have to wear masks, and uh, we only let uh, you know the family on the elevator at a time, not to go on with other residents, etc. So we keep our distance, but at least 
people can come in and see what we have to offer and kind of get a good feel for us. If people want to get a hold of you and they want to find out more about Palisade Gardens, here's an opportunity to give your address, give your phone number. You can call the Palisade Gardens directly. We're located at 240 Chapel Street in Coburg, downtown, which is great. And we are at 905-372-1150. I want to thank you for taking the time today to talk to us about what it's like to run a retirement residence during such a trying time. And I would like to invite the rest of Northumberland County to focus on Palisade Gardens.